Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to yet another delayed version of Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. But it's kind of cool. Although we didn't get one last week, we popped up on Monday and now we're popping up on Saturday. So at least we've kind of balanced out. In case you're interested going forward, yes, we will be back on Wednesday. Uh, like I said uh, like I said on Monday, it was just... I, I entered a bodybuilding competition last weekend and I cannot stress how, how crazy it was. Uh, if you would like more information on that, for some bizarre reason, you can actually go to patreon.com forward slash Simular316, access the exclusive Facebook group, and I did a 25-30 minute or so Q&A update, just letting you know about the day, the tanning, the training, the food, all that kind of stuff. And uh, on top of that, of course, if you want to support the podcast in any way, even if you want to give us a dollar, honestly, if everyone that listened to this gave a dollar, I could put so much money back into this and do amazing things. But you don't have to. Podcasts will remain... Uh, will remain free regardless. But if you are a Patreon member, please do log in uh, before Monday to vote on what you'd like your exclusive pro wrestling podcast to be. The poll is up. Uh, I can't remember the four options now. I know one is the problem with Hulk Hogan. That's currently winning. So yeah, please log in. Please vote. I do have some news that is going to tie into the Patreon at the end of the month, but I will hold off on that for now because I need to sort a few things out. But I'm taking some risks. I'm taking some chances, and I'm going to need a lot of people's help. So keep that in the back of your mind. Also, of course, please go to iTunes. Please rate, review, give us five stars. You actually have to go into iTunes, search for the podcast, and then review it from there. It's a bit of a a tricky thing, but we've got loads of reviews recently, and it's helped the podcast no end. Please do subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash the Miller Report rules. These podcasts are going to start going up there soon if you'd like to listen to your podcast through YouTube. and That ties into the stuff I mentioned a minute ago about changes that are coming up. But again, we'll keep that on the down low for now. Join the Facebook group, Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just search for that. And I'm on Twitter at SimonMiller316. It's not going to be a massively long one today just because this is the third time I've done this. Uh, iTunes enjoyed ruining the file a couple of times. So no idea what's going up there. So fingers crossed. You know, if, even if iTunes screws it this time, I'll just put it on SoundCloud and all the other apps. We can get it from there. We'll just have to. I just didn't like the fact of it not being everywhere. But I think now it's probably best just to get one up. So I just thought we'd run down, you know, we'd run down the wrestling week as we always do. I actually thought it was a decent week coming off the back of Extreme Rules. I enjoyed Extreme Rules as we talked about in the podcast the other day. And I thought Raw was a very good show. Even better still, the ratings reflected that. They went up by 14%, I think it was. And while I don't necessarily think a wrestling fan should overly care about the ratings, I mean, it's fun to talk about. I think it creates an interesting... Yeah, it creates a talking point for us to to chat about. And, you know, it's nice to, to break these things down to try and figure out why it's happening. Ultimately, I think from a fan's point of view, you shouldn't worry about it. That's a business metric. And I'll absolutely, you know, talk about why they've driven people away and what they need to do to bring them back. But I don't care if Raw is watched by one person or 100 people. You know, it's about the show itself and whether or not I enjoy it and what I think about the product and the superstars and all that kind of all that kind of a thing, but it is nice. Like I do keep an eye on it. I just I find it fascinating to see uh, to see the fluctuation. I mean, ultimately, why did I think it's fourteen percent? We'll say that for now. Why did fourteen percent of people after Extreme Rules decide? Oh, I want to see what's going to happen. Was it for Samoa Joe? Was it because they heard the pay per view was probably a bit better than some of them? You just don't know. 
If you are one of those people, actually, let me know. Drop me a line at Simon316 or in the Facebook group. I'd be intrigued what it was uh, that brought you back in. But obviously, the big talking point of the week is Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar. Happening at Great Balls of Fire, which they've changed the logo now for, by the way. They've got rid of the cock and balls. And if you need more information on that, you can Google it. And I think, I mean, I, I get it. I completely understand the argument that we should just be happy with what we've got. Because there was a time even, you know, three years ago, we were never getting Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe. So the fact that we're getting it now is great. But that doesn't mean you can't criticize or you can't be a little sad it's not being treated in the way that you knew, know this feud could be. Because ultimately, Samoa Joe is only in this position because Braun Strowman got injured. This was supposed to be Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar would have won. Then we would have gone into Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar would have won. Then we would have gone into Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. You know who's going to win. It's Brock Lesnar in case you need to know. So Samoa Joe may never have been in that mix. Or maybe he would have done. Maybe Samoa Joe was going to be his Survivor Series opponent or whatever the December pay-per-views opponent. Maybe even the Royal Rumble. Maybe he was penciled in. But I think, unlike the Balor and Rollins matches, which will be good, and I look forward to them, so I don't actually think we've ever seen a proper Rollins-Lesnar match, even after all the kerfuffle in 2015 or wherever it was. I can't remember. I know Maybe we did and I've forgotten. I don't know. Either way, the fact I've forgotten means I can enjoy it again. But the Samoa Joe-Brock Lesnar feud is something new. It's something fresh. And Samoa Joe does come across like a guy who could whoop Lesnar's ass. I understand he's not as tall as him, but he's a big, you know, wall of a human being, much as Brock Lesnar is. And I think that's where it would have been cool to not only have seen, you know, a longer program between the two, because all the rumors suggest it is going to be a one and done and Lesnar will beat um, Joe at Great Balls of Fire and will move on. But, you know, there could have even been an argument there, and this is fantasy booking up the whim-wham, but there could have been an argument there that you get to WrestleMania 34, and that's the match people want to see, and maybe you give Samoa Joe the win. Because it would do wonders for Samoa Joe. It'd cement him as a proper main event guy. I know he's late 30s, which isn't, you know, you, probably, you could argue you want to give it to a younger guy who's got more legs. But he's believable. And it's all well and good saying, oh, Roman Reigns should be the guy to beat him. And I don't have that much against Roman Reigns, but I think given everything that's happened over the last few years, he's probably not the guy to beat him, even though he probably will be. So giving it to someone like Joe that has that believability, has that magic that he does, which he showed on Raw, could have done wonders for him, but instead he's going to be fed to Lesnar. But it's not the end of the world. The most important thing is what happens in the match. Hopefully it's not a Lesnar squash, as much as I enjoy those. Hopefully, even if it's five or ten minutes, that's fine. But as long as it's back and forth and hard hitting and Joe comes across like this monster, so when it's all said and done, he comes out better for it. And that can happen when you lose a match. It just all depends how it's put together. And as long as that happens, then we're fine. Samoa Joe comes out feeling like a bigger deal. He can then segue off into whatever feud you want. Hopefully, he'll be more over with the fans, and he'll have that magic to him. Well, I know we mentioned magic a minute ago, but I mean that main event magic where he can stay at the top of the card. And in that sense, it's a wonderful decision. As long as people come out the other end feeling like they've advanced their, their careers or their personas, then that's when you can start arguing that wins and losses don't matter. But at the same time, you kind of need wins and losses to matter in the first place to ensure that you, could, you can do that with a loss. But that's neither here nor there. But easily the MVP of the week was Samoa Joe. I mean, I thought his performance on Raw was just, just a reminder of everything he's done over his career and why people knew who Samoa Joe was, even if you weren't a Ring of Honor or TNA fan. You knew the name. And that's because he knows what he's doing. Like, his promo was good. It was well thought out. The fact... You know, he wasn't scared, but he was jealous of Brock Lesnar, jealous of Brock Lesnar's schedule, jealous of the fact that he's the champ, jealous of the money. Oh, it was just, it, it, was, it was so well done. 
And the fact they made sure to get Heyman involved, and we had that segment where Joe uh, Joe said to Heyman, "Look, I'm going to choke you out now." But they did it away from the microphones and just picked it up on the camera audio, meaning you know we the, the viewer at home could hear it, but people in the audience had no idea. It just worked so well, and I think more importantly, it actually felt different. Raw, more often than not, can fall into a pattern, and it can it can feel very samey. But this. This felt different. This felt real to a certain extent. And although we did see Heyman uh, get beaten up by Goldberg in the Lesnar-Goldberg feud, that's Goldberg. The fact they let Samoa Joe do it, it made Heyman feel weak. It made Heyman feel helpless. And it did a great job of establishing Brock as the good guy and Samoa Joe as the bad guy. And I don't think a lot of other people could have pulled that off. And obviously Samoa Joe's carried that on this week on Twitter by responding to some of Paul Heyman's tweets. I think he's just, you know, he's justifying all the talk and all the hype he's had for all these years and proving that he can be a main event guy in WWE. Samoa Joe could be a main event guy anywhere because he knows how to get himself over. And we always hear that term, oh, so-and-so knows how to get himself over. But it's true. Like Chris Jericho's like that. Wherever Chris Jericho's gone, eventually he understands how to get the fans on side. And I think Samoa Joe is exactly the same. And now he's given, been given a bit of leeway and a bit of sort of a, a, a leash to, to, to run with. They've loosened that leash. I think he's, I think he's proving it. I thought it was a bit stupid that he then had a match with Seth Rollins at the end of the night and didn't just run over him. I mean, he's your number one contender. He's the guy you're focusing on now. Seth Rollins has lost more than enough times where I'm not even going to think any more or less of him if he does lose. Obviously, he did lose, but he lost after Bray Wyatt, of all people, distracted him using the Titan Tron, which I'm so sick of. I think that was maybe misguided. And I understand it because WWE's uh, mentality in 2017 is, well, we can't have Seth Seth Rollins lose. It's going to hurt his character, but it wouldn't. Because right now, I understand the focus is on Samoa Joe. So I would have been up for that. I would have been up for maybe, I wouldn't say a squash, but as, as close as you can to get, get to it, where Samoa Joe just absolutely decimates uh, Seth Rollins. And therefore, that builds up your main event of Great Balls of Fire. Because in, in this world of monthly pay-per-views that are on the network, or more than that, with the SmackDown pay-per-views too... You know, you, you don't you can light fires under people's asses and not sort of be overly worried that it's not a WrestleMania or a Raw Rumble. And I think they could have done that for Great Balls of Fire. They could have got a really good reaction to it. Now we've still got four weeks to go. So I'm not gonna count it off count it off now. It absolutely could happen. But I definitely think there may have been a different tack that WWE could have taken. But it's not like it's a big deal. The the real key is what happens this Monday on Raw. Brock Lesnar's gonna be there. Paul Heyman has summoned the beast after a phone call from the trainer's room, that's what I'm really excited about. I don't need to see them brawl just yet. I think one big brawl before the pay-per-view is probably a good idea. But right now, I just want a confrontation. I want a back and forth. I want to see that Brock Lesnar that um, does a little bit of talking on the microphone where he'll say something amazing like he did in his Cena program years ago and you know I'm going to leave you in a pile of piss, vomit and blood or whatever it was. I think we can get a little bit of that. But obviously, Heyman will do the majority of the talking. But as long as we get that tension, that atmosphere... The, the feeling that these two, you know, blobs of men don't give a shit and they will kick the crap out of each other. I think we could be in for something special. Now, I doubt Lesnar... I, mean, I think we've got four Raws to the pay-per-view. I'd imagine Lesnar's not the maximum of two of them, but that works fine. Have a face-to-face confrontation now. Figure out a way so they don't touch. Make sure he's on the, paper, uh, the Raw before the pay-per-view. Have a big brawl, much like he did with The Undertaker before. I think it was SummerSlam, Survivor Series, whatever it was a few years ago. I'm ready for that. And I'll go into that pay-per-view very excited because even though I know Brock Lesnar's going to win, I think we all do, they're not going to make Samoa Joe the universal champion, especially not at this stage. It's how it all comes together. And even if they did disappoint us and Samoa Joe got his ass whooped, 
at least it's a talking point. And at least, again, going in, I'm not going to know. So I thought that was fabulous. I'm, I'm very excited for that feud. It feels fresh. It feels different. I like to think that's why the ratings were, you know, changed because people thought, oh, wow, they're actually, they're actually changing tack. And hopefully that serves as, you know, the catalyst for them to do that more. And I do enjoy Raw at the moment. I think they are planting a lot of seeds, which you forget when you tune in. And that's fine. I'm not saying that that's not a bad thing. But then when they come up in a segment, you're like, oh, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen here. And obviously, the top of these is the Kurt Angle thing. He's getting these weird text messages. We don't know who they're from, but they're going to ruin his career. And we've got the Enzo and Cass stuff. And anyway, it's Enzo and Cass. I'm, I've never been a super Enzo and Cass fan, but I enjoy it. I like all the teases. I enjoy the red herrings. I'm not 100% sure who it's going to be. And that's good because it means that I'm not just focusing on the main event stuff. There is undercard and midcard stuff that's not necessarily matches, but are just these easy to digest, cute storylines that hopefully have a good payoff. Now, I think the payoff for the Kurt Angle thing is more important than Big Cass and Enzo because, to be honest, if it's the Revival, great. I love the Revival. Up for seeing that feud. If it's Big Cass going heel, great. Intrigued to see what they do with that. Or if it's Enzo, and Enzo faked his own attack so he could then attack Big Cass, I'm all right with that as well because I'll be interested to see if they can pull it off. So in that I mean, and if it turns out, I mean, what would be really bad? Again, if they did what they used to do back in the day where Hornswoggle did it, I'd be like, oh, for Pete's sake. But I don't think they will. I think they have deliberately introduced these uh, long-ended storylines with these you know, caveats and cliffhangers to try and get the long-term audience back because they want people to tune in to see what's going to happen. You have to educate an audience, and they have been doing that over the last few weeks, but you also have to earn back their trust. And to earn back their trust, you've got to have a good payoff. And I think they will. Again, I think those are the three most likely outcomes. And while the revival is the most obvious and doesn't really change the landscape too much... The Revival are back, that's cool. You know, Enzo and Cass versus The Revival, that's an alright feud. I'd imagine The Revival would win, and you can slowly segue them into a program with either Sheamus and Cesaro or The Hardys. You know, that's good. That's, that's not a bad, uh, you know, route to take. And if you are going to turn Big Cass heel, difficult, absolutely, but, I, you know, it'd be nice to see how he gets on. And I actually think Enzo would be a decent heel. I mean, he's not the best in the rings. I don't know how you do that. It'd be better if he had someone... You know, had a surrogate almost, and, and he's the manager, the mouthpiece. But even so, be something different. And I think that's what's key at the moment. It's new things. And if it bombs, that's okay. You, you know, not everything is going to be a home run. But the fact that you uh, took the risk, I think, is what's important. And the Kurt Angle one is different. The Kurt Angle one is more than likely tying into something with Stephanie McMahon. But because it's the GM of Raw, and because it's Kurt Angle, and because ultimately this could also be the lead into Kurt Angle getting back in the ring, I think this one has to have a better payoff. Like I said on my What Culture Ups and Downs this week, if it turns out that he's got herpes or some kind of disease, that sucks. Um, and it kind of does suck if the text messages of Stephanie McMahon just saying something. But, you know, if the reveal has enough gravitas that it gets people talking and we react to it and it allows Kurt Angle to both evolve as the GM and hopefully start getting back towards an in-ring match, then that's cool. I still think, and again, there's a What Culture video coming soon about this, that they're probably angling for Triple H versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 34, which I'm fine with. I mean, you could argue that it'd be better if he went against a young up-and-comer or you know did the Samoa Joe stuff again. But I just believe that 
Vince McMahon was so worried about bringing Kurt Angle back to begin with because of his health issues that if he does pass a physical, pass a physical, he's going to want to put him in there with a, a dude that knows what he's doing. And you can say what you want about Triple H. I mean, admittedly, sometimes his matches aren't as fun as they probably could be. But he's very safe. He's very good at what he does. They'll have a very good match. It's name power. I love the nostalgia matches on uh, WrestleMania. And Triple H versus Kurt Angle definitely fits that category. It would win casual fans back. So it does a lot of what it has to do. And it'd just be awesome. It doesn't matter. You could put Kurt Angle in there against a Hornswoggle. A little cool back there. And you'd still enjoy it because the, the, the sell here and the exciting thing is the fact that Kurt Angle is back in a WWE ring, which we never thought was going to happen at one stage. He was persona non, persona non grata. Vince was like, no way. Not in a million years. Now, not only is he on TV every week, but he's probably going to be stepping back in the ring. And we get to see all that unfold with whatever this text message stuff is. So, yeah, I like that stuff. I like what Raw's doing. I think it's fun. It's exciting. I'm a big fan of Sheamus and Cesaro at the moment. I know they just had a, basically a squash match against Heath Slater and Rhino on, on Raw, but they've really come together as a team. I still think Cesaro's finding his way as a heel, but that's fine. It's still early days. Sheamus is a great heel, and I think Sheamus gets a lot of hate thrown his way, but I actually think he's really good at what he does. But they really do feel like a team now. And the fact this has been going on for, what, eight months or so, if not longer, I'm not bored of it, and it's only now that I kind of feel like they're coming together. Credit to WWE and whoever came up with that idea. I thought it was rubbish at first. We had the best of seven series. How long ago does that seem? With the stupid ending that, oh, the winner is you're both winners and you're going to be together. But honestly, they've got great chemistry. They're obviously both really good in the ring. I'm a big fan. I think the Hardy boys have taken some time off because oh, Matt Hardy had his, had his baby. I can't remember what he called him now, but congratulations to Matt Hardy, obviously. Uh, and I think there's still legs in that feud when those two come back as well. But yeah, big fan of the tag team division on Raw. When they eventually go their separate ways, not sure who steps into that position. Hopefully the revival. But obviously there's some work to do there at the moment. But yeah, I mean, just genuinely well-booked title programs, to be completely honest. And I kind of you know, feel the same with the Intercontinental title as well. I am a bit bored of the Miz versus Dean Ambrose. But everything that Miz did on Raw with his big celebration and destroying a grandfather clock because he thought Dean Ambrose was hiding in a package and Maurice being like, no, no, what are you doing? It's just wonderful. Like, it really, really was just top stuff from the Miz who has, who has refound himself. You know, I, 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 there was a time. I'm listening to old wrestling observers at the moment because I'm a massive loser. But there is definitely a time when the Miz is, you know, just considered an absolute waste of time, a waste of space. And while he's quite good at heel and winding people up and you know, coming across like an asshole, he feels like a joke. Whereas now, he is one of the best things on the show. Everything he did in that segment, celebrating his title win, was was a joy. It genuinely was a joy to watch. Maurice was great. The Bear was great. Not knowing when Dean Ambrose was going to strike, but obviously knowing he was going to strike was great. The title actually probably feels a bit more important than it did even last week. So hopefully WWE can keep building on that. But I love him. I think he's the quintessential heel. I think he knows how to wind people up. I think he's got more momentum now, maybe, than he ever has done, even on his 2011 title run. 2011? Whenever it was. And I, I, mean, I, I mean, we need to get this Ambrose program over as quickly as we can. I'm not saying we should move the Drifter into that. You can do Ambrose versus the Drifter. That's fine. I, I, as long as Ambrose wins, because the Drifter's still... But then again, you, I don't know how you deal with that. That's, that's difficult. But, you know, the Miz needs a new challenger. The question is, who is that challenger? I mean, Sami Zayn would have been good, but obviously he's on SmackDown now. If I, you know, if I go through, I mean, Apollo Crews, you could have actually, I mean, he's a kind of a heel, but if you'd actually done something good with this Titus O'Neil Apollo Crews stuff, he probably would have been ready, but instead it just, you know, has certain moments where you think it's actually progressing and then goes nowhere. 
So yeah, you kind of run down the... I mean, do you put Finn Balor in a program with The Miz? Seth Rollins while they wait for their Lesnar feud? Obviously, you've got Bray Wyatt that looks like he's going to segue off with one of them. I don't know. What does Roman Reigns do? Maybe you put Roman Reigns in the IC title program. I mean, Strowman should be back next month. He's not as injured as they first made out, but that was part of the story, which I liked. So there are options. I think that's the most important thing. You know, Extreme Rules did a really good job of reminding us that you know, those five guys can be main eventers, even though the Raw did a great job of undoing that with Bray Wyatt. The start of Raw with Bray Wyatt coming out, cutting another nonsensical promo, and then getting beaten uh, by Roman Reigns, it's just, it just beggars belief. And I get a lot of people tweeting me, again, at Simon316, saying, why don't you like Bray Wyatt? Why do you care about losses so much? I don't, to be honest. I, in the world of wrestling, when I take a step back, I don't care who wins, don't care who loses. It makes no difference. It's a form of entertainment. But if you want me to put my booking hat on, and you want me to sort of uh, take in what... Because I don't get that excited about Bray Wyatt. I don't get excited about seeing him. I'm not a massive fan of his entrance. Never have been. And if and usually I just take that at face value. Like, okay, he's not my guy. We all have our guys. He's not my guy. I actually think I prefer Roman Reigns to Bray Wyatt. So you can get mad about that. But if I'm then going to take a step back and trying to decipher why, it is because I don't know what he's saying in promos as well as delivered they are. They don't say anything. Even if I can work it out, he never backs it up because he loses all the time. So I'm like, you're just actually a bit of a boring character, to be honest. You're not exciting. You know, you're a bit drab. You know, you're long-winded. And you don't kick ass. At least Roman Reigns kicks ass. And I'm saying he's booked to kick ass because he's protected. But at least he kicks ass. Now, that spear through the barricade at Extreme Rules was great. Bray Wyatt never gets anything like that. And that's my problem with it. You know, don't get me wrong. I think Bray Wyatt or oh, is his real name, something Rotunda, has all the talent and potential in the world. And again, he is a great deliverer of words. You can give him anything and he'll make it at least sound tangible. That doesn't mean it makes any sense. And also, again, like I just said, even if he does say something I can pick up on, he doesn't back it up and he loses. And that sucks. But, I suck, but we'll see. I mean, again, who's he going to go into? If he, you put Bray Wyatt in a program with Roman Reigns, why? Roman Reigns just beat him. You put Bray Wyatt in a feud with Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins wins that feud. Same with Finn Balor. Because at no point have I heard that we're planning Bray Wyatt versus Brock Lesnar. I have heard that we're planning Finn Balor, Brock Lesnar, and Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar. So there's no point Bray Wyatt winning those feuds if you're going to try and push the other two dudes into a main event at some point. So again, he's just floating around. They, they seem to think that he's this generation's version of The Undertaker. But the, and maybe he is, but the difference is The Undertaker never lost. If you go back to the early 90s, The Undertaker never lost. He never really started losing until sort of the mid-90s when Mick Foley turned up as Mankind. And then it all changed. But then they were having amazing feuds, and there were twists and turns with Paul Bearer and, um, what do you call it, uh, Boiler Room matches and Hell in a Cell. So it didn't matter then. Because he'd been protected enough. Bray Wyatt has never been protected. And somebody on Squared Circle, the Reddit subreddit, put up a thing there. They said, well, actually, he has one more. Even if he has done, which he hasn't, by the way, it's perception. Perception is reality. And in my mind, I think about the Roman Reigns feud. He lost. The Chris Jericho feud. He lost. The John Cena feud. He lost. The Undertaker feud. He lost. I don't remember him ever standing there with his head held high. And that's probably why The Rock at WrestleMania 32 did not help that at all. I know it was Eric Rowan that took the pinfall, but there was never any canuppance for The Rock. Bray Wyatt never got any heat back. His team, which he was associated with, just got their ass kicked by a movie star. Didn't help anybody. It didn't help anybody. But I did think Raw was a good show. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what they do, uh, what they do next week. 
Hopefully they can keep this up, keep these storylines going, keep uh, everything ticking over, and we can take it from there. If you can hear me typing, because I'm about to talk about SmackDown, and I'm like, I cannot remember what the hell happened on SmackDown, which is not good. I know we had uh, Kevin Owens versus Shinsuke Nakamura, which I found funny because WWE promoted it as the first time these two people have ever fought, and then Ring of Honor put up a, up a, a video. <laughs> <laughs> which was like, uh, nope, nope, that's not true at all. They fought in Ring of Honor, which you should watch, by the way. Go to the Ring of Honor's YouTube and uh, watch uh, watch uh, that match. It's really good. It's really, really good. Probably better than the one they had here. The one they had here was fine. My only problem with what they're doing at the moment is Kevin Lewins. Kevin Lewins? Kevin Owens loses all the damn time. Like, you know, he's so good on the mic and he's such a good personality that he probably can get away with it. But good grief, is it? And he's supposed to be the US champion. He never wins. But maybe, maybe that's because he's going to win Money in the Bank. I'd love that. I'd love a Money in the... I think Baron Corbin will win it. But I'd love a Money in the Bank winner who's also the US champion. Oh, and especially Kevin Owens who could pull that off with the talking. So if that's what they're doing, because I know WWE does love to you know, book people into oblivion before they have a big win, which is stupid, but still, that's fine. If Kevin Owens comes out as both your Money in the Bank winner and your US title holder, oh, man... And let him hold it for ages as well, coming out, running his mouth. Oh, man, I really, I really hope that happens. Saying that, I'd actually rather they cancelled the men's money in the bank this year, which I know is a very controversial angle to take, but I do have a reason, and that is, of course, because they've announced the women's money in the bank. And I've got no problem with that. I think it absolutely works fine. I think SmackDown so far has done a really good job in making it feel important, other than this week when they had a, uh, a ceremony for a white briefcase. It wasn't exciting, and all the girls were like, oh, it's so white. You wouldn't do that with the dudes, so don't do it with the men. Um, but I just think if you only have one Money in the Bank ladder match, it makes it feel more exciting and more important. So if you decided that 2017 is the year you want to pull the trigger on the women's, in the, the women's Money in the Bank match, just don't have the men's. And yeah, you may get some flack from idiots online, but screw those guys. I think there should be one, or have the you know don't have it on the same show. Let the Raw dudes have a men's Money in the Bank and the SmackDown girls have a, uh, a female money in the bank. Having two on the same brand, to me, is too much. You want to keep that as special. It's one of the few gimmicks left doesn't feel running to the ground. And if you start doubling up on it, it's the law of diminishing returns. The more you give people, the less they want it. So I'm hoping... Well, they won't change it now. There's no way. I'm hoping maybe the key, the plan is that the, the, either the women... I mean, I wouldn't cash the blokes in straight away just because they did that last year with Dean Ambrose. But maybe, you know... Um, what's her name? Becky Lynch wins the ladies one, and maybe she cashes in that night. Maybe Lana wins the uh, wins the title against Naomi, and then Becky Lynch comes. That'd be fine. I mean, it's a bit of a hot shot on the title. It kind of undermines the whole Money in the Bank thing, but it's good. You know, it, it, that would work for me. And then at least we're not getting two Money in the Bank sections every week on Raw, which is going to water it down. It just will do, even though there won't be any crossover or any or any you know. Um, well, yeah, any crossover with it, it will make whichever one feel less important. So let's, let's not, well, I, I say let's not do that. <laughs> We've already done it. But let's cash one in early. You can do the men's if you want. I don't care. Let's just cash one of them early in at the pay-per-view so that the week to week we can actually feel like this one money in the bank feels important. Mentioning Lana, though, she did come out and make her debut on SmackDown. Crowd loved her. I thought she was really good. I mean, Lana's always been really good. I'm not sure how she is in the ring. I hear NXT matches aren't good. I've never seen one, though, so I can't judge. But I don't think it matters. 
because she's quite fun. She's quite entertaining. I like her promos. I mean, WWE completely balls it up in the sense that Naomi, Naomi came across like a heel and she came across like a face. But that's fine. Just make her a face now. For once, listen to the fans. But I'm a massive fan of Lana. I thought she was great. I wouldn't actually be so adverse for her winning the, uh, winning the title and then losing it like I just said at Money in the Bank. But yeah, I think she's a really good addition to the roster. I'm, I like Lana. Why the hell Rusev isn't back, I don't know. I mean, what the hell happened to him? He was coming back to get his title shot against Shane McMahon, and now he's just vanished. I hate it when those stories just get dropped, especially with people like Rusev. I hope something bad hasn't happened. I think he has more potential than anybody else in the company, and yet here we sit. And what is it today? The 10th of June, and we haven't seen... I get, he was injured, I understand that. But we haven't seen him since Wrestle, before WrestleMania, which is a long time. So I really hope he comes back soon. I miss, I miss, uh, I miss good old Rusev. Uh, I guess we should talk about Jinder Mahal, really. I mean, we had a singles match on SmackDown between Mojo Rawley and Jinder Mahal. You know, Jinder Mahal beat the crap out of him, which was good because he's the champion and you want him to, to feel strong. <sighs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I don't think he's being treated in the way that WWE probably should do. Forget all the India stuff and forget the business stuff. Just purely from a TV angle, he doesn't feel like the strongest champion at the moment. I don't really care about Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal at Money in the Bank. I thought Randy Orton's promo was quite good, short and sweet. Uh, you know, made it feel like he really cared. They pushed the whole, um, you know, Randy Orton's going to be in his hometown thing, so that was good. But does Jinder Mahal feel like WWE champion? I'm not 100% sure that he does. Again, I've got nothing wrong with him holding it. I'm, I'm up there with the whole, you should probably have built him up better, but you didn't. So I'm, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk. But now I thought this is where we were going to give him... Maybe let him sink or swim a little bit and put him in, maybe even put him in a position where he, you know he's going to fail just so that he gets some experience so he can get better, so his promos get better or, or whatever. He's got a great entrance. The tweaks to his entrance have been fantastic. That does make him feel like a big deal. But having him beat Mojo Rawley, well, I guess, you know what, maybe I'm being unfair because that's what you probably want in your weekly SmackDown TV match, right? You want your champion to go over some dude that we know, and that's what happened. Plus, the Singh brothers got involved, so he got heat. Maybe I'm being unfair. We'll see what happens. It's still early days. He just doesn't feel like, you know, WWE champion at the moment. But maybe that's me being stupid. Very, very well could me being stupid. We had the rematch between Dolph Ziggler and AJ Styles. Of course we did, because AJ Styles had to get his win back. However, it was fantastic. So I'm not going to get too worried about that. Those two are kind of filling time until they go in money in the bank. I wonder if they give it to Styles. Because if they don't give it to Styles, what does he do coming out of that? Interesting. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, you know, Stolf Ziggler versus AJ Styles. Can't, can't get too mad at that. It's pretty, it's pretty good. And obviously the New Day are properly back now. They had a match against Primo and Epico. They won. They're now going into the tag team feud with the Usos for the belts. Which I imagine they'll win, to be honest. Which is a shame because the Usos now are on fire. Their promos are great, like genuinely different. Come across like arrogant assholes. I've always been a massive fan of the Usos, somewhat ironically. Well, ironically, it's not the right word at all. But since I saw them on um, on Total Divas, and they're just hilarious because you know they've got that kind of mischievous way about them. But yeah, I think they're fantastic. So I mean, the New Day to me are way past their prime now. I'm so bored of their shtick. So I'd actually rather the Usos won, but they won't, and they will give it to the New Day. However, I'm up for this feud. Like I said, the Usos are killing it right now. The New Day, they're still selling millions of dollars worth of merchandise. People love them. So at least it works. At least we have a heel team that people don't like and we have a face team that people do like. And there is so little of that today in WWE. It's why I like Finn Balor so much. Finn Balor is a proper babyface. Everybody loves Finn Balor. 
and you may, you know, some people may like him a bit more and some people may like him a bit less. But ultimately, no one really hates Finn Balor. And if they do, it's not audible in the arenas or online at all. And that's nice. I miss good guy, good guys. We never get it anymore. Haven't had it in years. Like ever since the John Cena stuff, which was fun, but now I'm definitely at a point where I want to cheer the good guys and boo the bad guys. It's just, you know, sometimes you, you, you long for you long for what's old. Sami Zayn still being a goofball on SmackDown. Still getting his ass whipped by Baron Corbin. I mean, by this point, it doesn't surprise me just because clearly they don't see much in Sami Zayn. But he is entertaining and he is very good in the ring. I don't think he's going to win at Money in the Bank. Maybe you can actually not have Corbin win it, but then continue this Sami Zayn and Corbin feud because it won't be, it won't have culminated properly until after that. And it means Kevin Owens can win. Now I've thought about it, I'm so desperate for Kevin Owens to win, to win Money in the Bank. Even though that would probably, you know, it doesn't hurt Shinsuke Nakamura, but you'd imagine you want him to win because you don't want him to lose. But still, you, you don't really ever lose in a in a ladder match, do you? If it's, if there's five of you or six of you, however there is. He just didn't climb the ladder. And as long as he has a good showing and, you know, he looks really good. Yeah, that would be that, that would be interesting. I forgot as well, of course, SmackDown went off air with Corbin hitting the end of days on Nakamura. I don't know what I think about that. I don't know. I mean, the general consensus at the moment is that Nakamura hasn't been treated the right way. Or at least not in the right way to be a superstar. He feels like a main eventer, but maybe necessary doesn't feel like a superstar. I think it's too early to make that call at the moment. However, I do agree that ever since his match with Dolph Ziggler at Backlash, where he didn't, he just whooped his ass and he didn't. He had a proper, well, we're going to beat the face down and you're going to come back to win match. It did take away some of his aura because at this moment, I think you want to, you know, he probably got more offense in, in this, you know, random SmackDown match against Kevin Owens. And obviously it helps Nakamura loads. He beat the US champion clean. But does that now mean we're going into a Nakamura-Kevin Owens feud? Because if I beat the US champion clean in a non-title match, well, now surely I want a title match. So that would be interesting. But it was a good show. I certainly enjoyed it. I mean, as the, I think the women's stuff is the only thing that really felt like it progressed and Lana being there was good. And we had a solid match, like I say, between Styles and Ziggler. But maybe this didn't take... Maybe they're, they're holding fire a bit just because they want to get a bit closer to Money in the Bank. When is Money in the Bank? I'm going to look that up too. I really, really should know this stuff at the top of my head. Or, you know, write it down beforehand. So it's Saturday, Sunday, 18th of June. So that's a week tomorrow. Uh, a week tomorrow, yeah. So we've still got one more SmackDown to go. So this sometimes you do get the filler show. Maybe that's what this was. But ultimately, a good week of WWE TV, I thought. Raw was excellent. SmackDown was watchable, even though I've forgotten everything. Now I've just gone through it. I remember that I did enjoy it. So hey, I'm not going to complain. I'm intrigued to see where we're going with everything. And I think that's the most important bit. And hopefully these dipping ratings have lit a fire under WWE a little bit to the point where we do get more of the... I mean, SmackDown needs more of these, uh, uh, you know, breadcrumb storylines. But we'll see what happens. I'm just trying to think. I mean, obviously, if you're a New Japan fan, we've got Dominion. Is it today, Dominion, as I'm writing this? Or is it... It is Saturday night, isn't it, Dominion? I think so. Anyway, it's, it's close. Um, I, I, I try and watch as much. I watched the best of the Super Juniors, and yeah, I thought Will Ospreay during that was absolutely fantastic. But if you can catch New Dominion, I certainly would. Obviously, on Dominion as well, we've got the rematch between Omega and Okada. And if you saw their first match, I mean, I don't think we ever talked about that on here. Six stars from the man Melt, who I love for the record. I thought it was great. Definitely up there with one of the best matches ever. But it does make this follow-up very, very hard because there's going to be huge expectations. But I think they're going to deliver. 
So I would definitely check out Dominion. If, I mean, if you've never watched New Japan before, you're going to be absolutely confused and blown away. But still, I, if you can see Dominion, you can go to New Japan World or watch it. Or it kind of pops up anywhere if, if you've got a good eye. And obviously, the, the only news that we can end this week's podcast with is that Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax have joined the cast of Total Divas. If you don't know, Eva Marie is now utterly gone. She's, uh, she's no longer... I mean, I think she's still affiliated with the WWE, but you're never going to see her on TV again. You're not going to see her on Total Divas. She's out of here, son, for one reason or another. So to fill that up, we've got Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss. I think Alexa Bliss fits into that wonderfully. How on earth you make Nia Jax keep her monster aura? Maybe it doesn't matter. But she's a really lovely person by all, by all accounts, Nia Jax. So having her on a reality TV show where she's meant to be this you know dominant beast... And she's going to come across like this lovely lady. <laughs> That's wrestling in 2017, right? Everything's all over the place and TV and social media just ruin everything. But I'm a big fan of Total Divas. I know that's a stupid thing to say. I am on one of them. When I went to SummerSlam a few years ago, they were filming in the background. I mean, it's a blink and you miss it kind of a thing. But I had to sign a release. I mean, you, even if I told you the, the actual timestamp, you'd still have to sit there with a microscope to find me. But I like Total Divas. It's absolute trash. It's obviously... It's more of a work than pro wrestling. My gosh, is it full of lies. But I think it's so silly and so over the top. And when you have people like John Cena, Daniel Bryan, Fandango and Rusev popping up, who do not take it seriously whatsoever, I understand why people don't like it. But if you've got the WWE Network, I strongly suggest maybe just dipping your toe in. If you're feeling in a jovial, silly mood, give it a go. See what you think. It's... uh... It's just, it's just WWE nonsense, but in the best possible way. And the Bellas come across this story with the Bella twins, where Nikki Bella thinks she's fat, and she stood in, um, she, st- she stood in a, a changing room, and you can see her abs. <laughs> it's like it's so stupid, but it's so good. And like I say, Daniel Bryan really doesn't give a shit on it. He is an absolute treat. So, yeah, my weird recommendation for the end of this slightly shortened. Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast is to go and watch Total Divas from Season 1 on the WWE Network. See how much you can stomach. And if you can get to the latest seasons, you'll be rewarded with the likes of, like I say, Titus O'Neil, Fandango, Rusev, who absolutely couldn't care less. And it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. So again, I'm sorry this one is a bit short. I'm sorry it's also delayed, but hopefully getting two this week makes up for, the, for not having one beforehand. From now, though, we fall back into the pattern. Life has calmed down. So Monday is the week in gaming where me and a co-host run down everything that's happened in games. We'll probably look forward this week because obviously it's E3 next week. And remember, there's a, there's a twist to that podcast. Everything is not as it seems. Hopefully you get the joke. Pro Wrestling Podcast will drop on Wednesday. Uh, back to normal. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Again, big announcement at the end of the month that ties into Patreon and my YouTube channel. So... You know, without wanting to sound like too much of a shill, if you've ever thought about supporting, now would definitely be the time. I'm taking some risks. I'm making some moves. You know, I'm going to try and basically to, to give you a headline, see if all this stuff is, uh, is sustainable by itself. And if it's not, I'm going to have to make some, some life decisions. But that's neither here nor there. Patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Please go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Give us a review. Uh, we, we get more listeners every week. And... You know, while even if one person listened to this, I would be humbled and grateful. The fact that we're able to get more is awesome. So please share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Tell a friend. Make sure they tell two friends. And let's turn this into the uh, the monster I would love it to be. Uh, I've got more interviews coming up. I haven't forgotten about those. Um, but I just thought I'd cover the world of wrestling for the past two weeks. And make sure you join the Facebook group, facebook.com. 
I think it's just forward slash Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, but just search for it in the search bar on Facebook. It will come up. Come chat to me on Twitter at Miller316. Thank you for your patience last couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. Like I say, back on Wednesday, we'll talk about Raw, we'll talk about SmackDown. We'll probably talk about Dominion, to be honest, because I think whichever way the Okada-Omega match goes, we're going to have something to discuss. Whether it manages to beat their six-star classic, which would be incredible. What a conversation we can have there. But if it doesn't live up to expectations, I imagine the internet will be, uh, will be imploding over the next few days. So we can, uh, we can decipher what that means for New Japan. And don't forget, we're now on the cusp of New Japan coming over to the US as well. New Japan is kicking all the ass at the moment. And while it's not as popular as it was, what, early, mid-90s was probably its peak? Maybe, maybe around there. My, my Japanese knowledge isn't too good. You know, we can, uh, we can see how this affects the business going forward because there's every chance they do take a piece of WWE's pie. Unlikely, but you never know. Maybe we'll talk TNA next week as well. I have been watching it. It's okay. It's fine. Um, I, you know, they, 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 their viewership stays pretty... You know, one week it'll do 315,000 viewers. The next week it'll do 295. Then the week after that, back at 315. It, to me, it still feels too much like WWE Lite, which isn't the worst thing in the world. It's still quite an entertaining show more often than not. Some weeks it's actually better than Raw. But I think... You know, I enjoy watching New Japan or Ring of Honor or even Progress more because I know when I tune into one of those shows, I'm getting a Progress show or a Ring of Honor show as opposed to something that feels a little bit like WWE could have had a hand in it even though they hadn't. So maybe next week we'll, we'll spread our wings a bit. We're kind of in the WWE lull. We'll obviously preview Money in the Bank, make our predictions. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the podcast. We'll wrap it up there. Have a great weekend. If you listen to the gaming podcast, I'll chat to you Monday. Or if you're more of a wrestling guy or gal, I'll chat to you Wednesday.